We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario, and I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And uh, we are here today to talk a little bit of Notre Dame recruiting. And uh, if you listen to our previous podcast, we broke down what the class needs were for the 22 class on the offensive side of the ball. So... I know you're all going to be shocked, but this podcast is going to be about the needs on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, We had a really good discussion on what those needs were uh, over on the offensive side. And and to kind of recap what the needs are as far as what, what what do we define as needs, Brian, when we're looking at a class and we're looking at, uh, if you're on the coaching staff and you're trying to figure out, okay, how many kids at each position do we need to recruit how many do we need to uh bring into the class how are the needs figured out it's a it's really two things number one is you need x number of bodies to have a, a healthy depth chart yeah. you know so you, know, you can't have just two quarterbacks on your roster i don't right. care how good they are because if one of them goes down you're in trouble really badly, um, yes. you know so that's part of it and then the other part of it is while filling out those numbers needs what kind of talent do you need to land to get your roster to that next level. So right now, Notre Dame is a, a top five to 10 program uh, on a consistent basis, but they are clearly, there's a gap between them and the top two to three teams, right? So 
what are you doing from a talent standpoint to close that gap? You know, cause that should always be your goal, right? We're recruiting to win a championship. And so how do you combine those two things together? So meeting needs within the, you know, the confines of an 85 man scholarship. And what makes it unique in Notre Dame is Notre Dame can't just kick, cut kids like some schools do, you know, they right. are locked yeah, into four point. year contracts and it's also harder to force kids out. Cause a lot of kids will say, well, fine, I'll just sit the, be- sit the bench for the next year and a half, get my degree and go somewhere else because that degree is valuable to a lot of these young people. Sure. So um, I believe all the guys that announced that they're transferring after the se- this season are all guys. A lot of them are going to still be on campus in the spring because they're going to they're going to graduate after the spring, graduate in May, and be ready to to go somewhere. So um, you have to be you have to hit it right, you know, because it's it's harder to turn your roster over uh, compared to some other schools that, that Notre Dame is competing against. So um, hitting those needs is important, but also hitting them with the right players is important because. One bad class, whether it's your evaluations weren't good and you just the guys you brought in just weren't good enough, or yeah. guys get hurt, or as we've seen, speaking to the defense, they've just completely whiffed at positions in in the last several years on defense. And we will get into that because those whiffs are being felt um, now. Yeah. Well, and, we felt them. You know, you know, and, and during the twenty twenty football season, we felt them during during the season. Yeah. You know, a corner, especially. A corner. Yeah, you know? that's the big one, right? So, uh, so yeah, and safety is another one. And so uh, now you you got to get into a situation where I think the 2021 class was a really strong class. It was Notre Dame's best overall defensive class in several years. Sure. Uh, because you hit needs at every position, and you hit your needs at every position with quality players. And now some were stronger than others. Some were more ready-made guys. Where sure. other positions like defensive end were more of the higher upside, you know, going to need time developmental guys. But there was not a position where you say, boy, the the, the, the guys they got just weren't good. I think right. the only position I would argue they came up short is linebacker. And we'll get into that as to why. But um, this is a very important class for the defense to do two things. Number one, you need another strong year from a numbers and meeting your needs standpoint across the board. And this is a year where you need to add impact talent. And so far, so good when it comes to, to doing that on the defensive side of the ball. Well, let's, let's start breaking down um, that side of the ball. Brian, I want to start with the defensive end recruiting. Um, I, this is a real position of need in this class, uh, not only from a numbers standpoint, but also from kind of a reloading standpoint. And I think that Notre Dame is off to a really, really good start. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the commitment of Aiden Gobera, uh, but also there's a commitment of Tyson Ford. And um, kind of break down, I guess, where the depth chart is right now and why those two guys are so important and what the needs are uh, in this class. Well, you know, 2018, you only landed one defense. Well, you landed one defensive end recruit, and then you moved a linebacker to defensive end. But that linebacker, Ovia Gofu, is now gone. Right. Justin Adamiola will be a fifth-year senior in 2022. We don't know if he'll definitely come back for that. Uh, you look at 2019, Isaiah Foskey so far so good there, but then Nana Osafa Mensa has suffered a, a, a bad knee injury, and we don't, you know, he wasn't really developing like you'd hope a four-star recruit would develop through his first year plus on campus either. And then you look at the 2020. In 2021 classes, again, 2020, Jordan Patelho, high upside guy. Alexander Ehrensberger is a is a high ceiling guy that I, I really like, but it's also a low floor guy. 2021, again, 
you got a lot of you got three very talented ends, but they're all lower floor guys with higher right. ceiling. So and the reason that matters is because the, the the lower floor guys have a greater potential to just not be factors at all. Where a guy that maybe has a lower ceiling but a higher floor, you know, like Justin Adamiola to me is a low ceiling, high floor guy. Maybe he doesn't pan out to be a first round draft pick, but you know, you knew when he signed that this, this kid's going to play at Notre Dame. Like there, there's no doubt that Justin Adamiola is going to play. Sure. He's too smart. He's too instinctive. He's too tough. He's just a football player. Now, maybe he doesn't have Isaiah Foskey's size and length and athleticism, which lowers his floor. But you knew he was going to be a factor in the defensive line rotation. There was never a doubt about that. Where right. Adi Ogundiji was more of a, well, it depends on how he fills out and does he learn this and does he learn that, right? And so that's the difference. Khalid Kareem was always going to be a player at Notre Dame. It's just the question was how good. Uh, and the, the in recent years, they've loaded up on a lot more of the guys that you just don't know if they're going to be factors at all, much less impact players. And so when you recruit that kind of player – there's a need for more volume of that kind of player. But every now and then, every two or three years, you really want to try to make sure that you land more proven prospects, more guys with higher floors. That's why Tyson Ford was so important. Because to me, Tyson Ford is that higher floor guy. The nice thing about Tyson Ford, however, is he has a high floor and a high ceiling. And you need to land some of those guys. To me, Isaiah Foskey was that way. He was a high-floor, high-ceiling guy. Sure. Just on God-given athleticism alone, Isaiah Foskey was going to be a, 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 at least right. a rotation pass rusher in Notre Dame. Right. And then, of course, if he if the other things pan out, he's a potential first-round draft pick type of, type of talent. And so Tyson Ford is that kind of player. Aiden Gobera is more of the low-floor, high-ceiling guy, and, and that's great to have. And Notre Dame – and Mike Elson has made a killing on those kind of guys because he's coaching them up, and then Matt Bayless is doing what he needs to do. So you're off to a great start. The question is, how do you finish? And then the other part is, how much do you finish with? I think that's where this gets very interesting. Uh, we'll focus more on that when we talk about the defensive tackle position. So if you're watching this on, on YouTube, make sure you look at that as well, uh, where we maybe the numbers could expand. But at, at the very least, Vince, they definitely need one more defensive end in this class. Uh, and to me, it needs to be a high floor, high ceiling guy. The ceiling is more important than the floor. But sure. if, they can, if they can find a guy with both, that's the ideal way to go. And when you look at the board, there's definitely some guys on, on, on the, the, the board right now that are, are that kind of player. And of course, as we've talked about before, there's one guy in mind that would make this a this is a very good defensive end class already. If they stopped now, it, it'd get a B to B plus, like at least on my grade. Right. But to get to that A category, which this foundation is already laid for a potential A grade at defensive end, it's it's all about Cyrus Moss at this yep. point. Yep. And we and we've talked about Cyrus Moss and what he can bring to the table, but he's out of Bishop Gorman, I do believe, uh, in yep. uh in Nevada, and this is a powerhouse high school program. I mean, they're traveling across the country normally. Um It's been good to Notre Dame. Ronnie you know, Stanley, yeah. Alize Mack, Nico Fertitta, all from Bishop Gorman. So he's the guy that is number one on your list to round out this defensive end class, right? Yeah, he was kind of my number one end on the board all along. And, you know, Tyson Ford was kind of my number one power end. Cyrus is my number one drop end, but he has the highest grade overall as well. 
Okay. So, I mean, you get Tyson Ford and Cyrus Moss to go with Aiden Gobera, and now you're talking about a defensive end class that, in my opinion, just as high school prospects, just high school prospects. We're not talking about what – because we don't know what these guys – I can't compare them to what Julian Aguara, Dalen Hayes, and Khalid Kareem turned out to be in college, right? But just as high school players, this is your best defensive end class since the class that brought them Stephon Tuitt, Aaron Lynch, and Eshaq Williams. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. It's pretty good. Brian, I want to move inside and talk about the defensive line uh, class or the potential defensive line class for the 22 season. Uh, As of right now, they don't have any commits. Um, What does this group look like to you, and how many do you think Notre Dame needs to bring in to really have a successful numbers-wise class in 22? See, that's where this gets a little interesting. Because we're talking about the defensive line class. Because – that answer is going to change depending on what Mike Marcus Freeman wants to do with his defense long term. Now, sure. we talked at Irish Breakdown about what we're hearing is is that in 2021, the base defense is going to be four down. They will play a lot of three down, and we'll see weeks where maybe three down is their base against certain defenses or offenses, but there'll be a base four down. Why? Well, I, I think that's primarily because Marcus Freeman is a really smart coach who's going to look at his roster and say, what are we best suited to play? Right. And right now, Notre Dame's roster is suited to be a four-down team. Yep. Now, what you do if you're a smart coach is you, you, you build around what you have, but then you recruit for what you want. That's what I don't know yet. Does he want to be more of a three-down team ultimately, or is it a case where they're, so, they're going to be so split between three and four that there's not the same need that you would have if you're a pure four down team, right? Meaning if you're a pure four down team, you need at least seven or eight defensive tackles. If you're a team that plays four down, but you're also in three down half the time, you don't need eight defensive tackles, you know, unless some of those defensive tackles are hybrid ends. O'Reilly Mills comes to mind, for example. So that's the thing to look at. So you say uh, the need, the numbers need I have between one and two. I think you need one pure interior player. If you can get the right two, you, you get the right two because when you look at the current roster, Kurt Heinish is done after this year. Correct. Jason Adamiola may be done after this year, but potentially could come back for 2022. But after that, a lot of the guys on the roster have multiple years of El- Jacob Lacey because of, you know, it actually worked out great for him. 2020 was a almost kind of like a, a redshirt year for him. He yeah. didn't play as much because he was banged up, you know. So, but because of the, the COVID stuff, he still has three years of eligibility left. Right. Uh, Aiden Kiana Anna didn't play this year, you know, and, and he gets a red shirt anyway. You've got Riley Mills played this year, but could take a red shirt if he wanted to because of the COVID rules. So, and then you're bringing in Gabriel Rubio. So you are about as the defensive tackle position is about as good as any on the roster, like one through six. And I didn't even mention Howard Cross and right, <clears throat> you know, so you're very strong there. Yep. And you're strong there with a lot of guys that have multiple years of eligibility remaining. Correct. So you got to ask yourself, do we want to bring in a bigger class this year or maybe we get the right one or two and then we bring in a maybe a bigger two to three next year where we've got some more balance between spacing out our numbers? Sure. That's a decision that they have to make. You know, uh, Mike Elson also said that on signing day that, that Jason Onye is already up to 275 pounds. He's a defensive end. Well, are they viewing him as potentially a guy that's going to grow into a three technique? That's going to impact maybe sure. now you bring in a fourth defensive end and only one defensive tackle, right? But that's also going to be based on 
what's the what did you see as the future? Because that's what a smart coach like Marcus Freeman is going to do. This is what we're going to do in 2021 because this gives us the best chance to win in 2021. But when we recruit, we're recruiting to transition to this. And he's a smart coach, and that's what he's doing. So uh, that's the defensive tackle recruiting is going to play out that way. And that's why I say it's a little harder to pin down yeah, yeah. what they're looking for numbers-wise at that position. And that's why I say that's where you could maybe get that fourth defensive end from. <clears throat> One of two things meaning that. Number one, is your fourth defensive end uh, going to be a hybrid player that could slide inside? So a guy to bring up there's a guy, kid named Isaac Ham. Now, Isaac Ham is a kid that I absolutely love on film. A Wisconsin, it's a very strong recruiting year uh, in Wisconsin, yeah, by the no way. No kidding. Uh, but I love Isaac Ham on film. I mean, he's a really good football player. Now, it doesn't mean Notre Dame's going to get him. Ohio State wants him, Wisconsin wants him, but just to say they're able to, to get him. You know, you bring him in because he's a 6'5", 260-pound kid already that's got a great frame. He looks a lot like Riley Mills did as a Jew. As a, well, really, we've only seen sophomore film of him. But his body type reminds me a lot of Riley Mills. Okay. Meaning, you know, he may outgrow defensive end just naturally. <clears throat> and so he's the guy that I look at as that's a great three-down three defensive end who could then slide in as a three technique when you go to four-down. And so that would be your fourth end. It, or you know, or if you view Jason Onye as a, a future defensive end or defensive tackle, then you put a kid like you know Isaac Ham. Maybe you put him out as a as a defensive end, more of a defensive end. Or maybe then you bring in you know Teva Tafiti from Hawaii. Maybe you bring DJ Wezelak in you know as your fourth defensive end, more pure ends because you're yeah. going to move Onye inside eventually. So those are the things that, that to me, and then we just don't know. I we mean, don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> And we won't we won't know even really for the next couple months, I think, until we start to see kids get on campus. But right now they're really throwing a lot of offers out at defensive end. They've been very picky with defensive tackle offers. I only have them listed as having six defensive tackle offers out. Now, part of that is from what I can tell so far, and it's very early in my film breakdown of the class, it's not a great defensive tackle class nationally. Gotcha. Yeah. And that factors into recruiting as well. I mean, and that's why Partly why I was disappointed, a little, even though it graded out well, I was a little disappointed in the 2021 offensive line class because it was such a great year on the offensive line. It was a great year in, with players who are from regions that are favorable to Notre Dame, and you still couldn't get a third or a fourth top player. There are other years, like 2018, for example, was not a great offensive line year. So, you know, you take maybe a flyer on a John Dirksen and a Jarrett Patterson and hope that they pan out because it's just not a great year. So sure. this doesn't seem like a great D tackle year. Yeah. And and so Notre Dame's got a that's where I think factors into that decision is too. Now there's some good players on the board. Uh Caden Curry is an in-state kid. Ohio State's the leader right now. Notre Dame's got a lot of ground to make up there because they offered him really late. Yeah. He's sort of a he's listed as a defensive tackle. He's six five, two fifty. He could be kind of what Isaac Ham is a three down defensive end, but can also play three technique. Donovan Heinish name should sound familiar. It younger does. brother of Kurt Heinish. Yep. Um, Caleb Artis is a, is a defensive tackle from New York. KJ miles is from New Jersey. And then there's a kid from uh, Arizona named Anthony Lucas that they're looking at. So there's some guys on the board, but they haven't really expanded the board a whole lot, a defensive tackle, which leads me to believe that it's another year where the numbers are going to be smaller uh, as far as pure defensive tackles. Right. And I'm, I'm actually okay with that, depending on who you get. 
Uh, I would shoot for a higher talent at defensive tackle, to be right. honest with you. Yep. And then take a fourth defensive end because bet- it, let's just say you get an Isaac Ham between Isaac Ham and Jason Onye, one of them is going to outgrow defensive end. You know, or you can choose to make him outgrow a defensive end yeah, with right. your strength and nutrition program. So that's the direction I would go because it is a great year at defensive end recruiting wise nationally. And this is what factors into it. This is what coaches have to think about. Sure. It's a really good year at defensive end. There's a lot of really talented defensive ends that are interested in Notre Dame. So do you take do you just look pure numbers? We need a second defensive tackle. And even though the quality of that position is not as good as end, or do you say, look, it's a great year defensive end. There's some big ends that we could convert, uh, you know, or we just need to load up. And there's some ends on the current roster we could convert. I think that's what Notre Dame has to look at. And that's why I think if I had to, if it was up to me, I would probably, if you're, if let's say you have room for five defensive linemen, I'd probably err on the side of going with four and one as opposed to three and two. I agree. That's what I would do. No, I agree because I think, this is very similar to the conversation we had about offensive tackles and bringing in offensive tackles, and then you can move them inside. Mm-hmm. I feel like with this particular group and with, with Marcus Freeman's defense, that's kind of what we're talking about here. You can bring in more ends, but you can mold them and feed right. them into being tackles. Right. right? And it's, it's a very similar situation. Right. I personally would like more athleticism in the middle, and that's taking tight, or defensive ends and bringing them inside. I, as opposed to that, you know, Vince Wilfork just eating right. up the middle kind of thing. I, I want more of an athletic style uh, in the middle. And when you have a three front, a lot of times that's what you need. And Notre Dame has done that. I mean, yes. Notre Dame's had an undersized defensive line for the most part the Absolutely. last couple of years. Yep. But it's very good because they're so quick and athletic that, you know, your 320 pounders getting, you know, once your 300, 320 pound guard has to turn his hips, he's no longer 320 pounds. Exactly. And so <clears throat> that's what they've done. And I think that's, more Notre Dame style of what they can consistently recruit as well. They're just not going to make a living getting the Lewis Nix type of players. Lewis Nix was rare. He came from a rare family. You're just not getting those kids year after year. These kind of athletic penetrators, you can have more success with getting the big Midwestern defensive end. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed that you can grow into defensive tackles is something you're going to have more success with. Sure. So, and then when you consider the strengths of the 2022 class on a national level, it just makes more sense that way. It, it really does. And, and I think for Notre Dame, it, 
it fits what they already have on the roster and, and what they're going to do. And then when a Gabriel Rubio comes along or an Aiden Kayana comes along, who's got some size, then you go scoop them up. But, you know, I, I personally like that. I mean, I've always kind of been a fan of Miami used to be great at this. You take safeties, big safeties and put them at linebacker. You take big linebackers and put them at end. You take big ends and put them at defensive tackle. Yep. And that's, that's how you get a really athletic defense. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. One position, Brian, that I think is really interesting in the recruiting cycle, and it's going to be very similar to what the defensive tackle uh, situation is because we just don't know, mm-hmm. is going to be the linebacker position. And I think that there's more intrigue here because of the whiff at linebacker a couple of uh, recruiting classes ago. So not only are you potentially moving to a four-linebacker uh, situation, so you know, in a three-four, you know what I mean. With the so you're rover. talking about like a three-three-five with a rover being the four. Okay, that's exactly what I mean. Thank you. Okay. Um, so not only are you lo- moving to a defense that could potentially need more linebackers, but you don't have a whole lot on the on the roster right now mm-hmm. because of defections, because of graduations, um, and guys so not panning out. It, it guys not panning out exactly. So. Where do you see this group going in the 22 class, and how many do you think they need to bring in? So for me, I view Notre Dame as a three-linebacker team. Okay. I, I think moving forward, Marcus Freeman wants that rover to be a safety. Okay. That's what I think he eventually wants, to your point. Because, I mean, I think it's – it's you know again, we talk about what is he going to do now compared to what he's going to recruit to do. And that, that's not always the same, especially with smart coaches. That's not always going to be the same thing. So for me, I think you need at least three. And if the right four want to come, you take them. And, and here's why. You talked about you struck out in the 2019, 2019 like with, class. With. 2020 class, excuse me. Completely whiffed right, in the years, 2020 Two class. cycles ago. Didn't yeah. sign a single linebacker, nor did you sign a single safety. Yeah. So it's not like you signed some big-bodied safety that you're going to convert to linebacker, right? You struck out at both. Those are two very important positions in the Marcus Freeman defense. So Agreed. you need at least three, and if you can get the right four, I'd bring in four. And, and the right four means either a big linebacker that could maybe grow into a drop end mm-hmm. or a, a guy that's kind of more of a hybrid safety rover type of guy. Right. You know, a, a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa type of athlete. But three to me is the ideal target number, and I love – what Marcus Freeman has been doing it. Look, before I do that, we also have to remember that uh, Kehanu Kia, who noted, who's the second linebacker Notre Dame signed in 2021, big. could potentially go on a Mormon mission, which means he's basically going to be a 2023 recruit. Correct. And as we've seen, that doesn't always guarantee that when they come off the mission that they still go to the school that they signed with. So if he does the mission, then you can't count him. And I think he's more of a developmental player anyway. So your numbers at linebacker are a mess. So you need to not only land numbers, you need to land impact numbers. You need to land guys that can play in their first couple of years. You can't land a project guy that you're hoping by yeah. his third year pans out. That just You can't do that in this class. You need guys that can play by their second year 
at the latest. And so that ups the ante. Now there's some good things working in Notre Dame's favor. Number one, they already have a commitment at linebacker. That's Nolan Ziegler, who, in in my opinion, Vince, is one of the most underrated players in the country. I don't know how much of his film you've watched. I know you've watched a little bit, but you're talking about a 6'3", 6'4", 205-pound kid that plays wide receiver and basically safety in high school. They moved him a little closer to the line of scrimmage as a junior. This kid is, uh, to me, a more athletic version of Drew Tranquil with two more inches coming out of high school, two more inches of height and length coming out of high school. Um, That's saying a lot, which means he could maybe play Rover, but I think he eventually kind of grows inside. But I think he's going to be a guy that you can move around and do a lot of different things with. So it's a really good place to start. I really like Nolan Ziegler. Three-star recruit, doesn't get a lot of love in the recruiting rankings. But as you know, Vince, when the tape tells me one thing, I, I, the, the recruiting rankings go out the window for me. <clears throat> so that's a great place to start. Great foundation, kind of like on offense <clears throat> where they've got a bunch of great foundation pieces. It's right. what they're going to build on. Right. Now, the other thing working in their favor mm-hmm. is it's a really deep year at linebacker, like nationally, incredibly deep year. Like Notre Dame's thrown out like 15, 20 offers, and there's 15, 20 more they could throw out of guys that can play at the Notre Dame level, you know, from a talent standpoint. Sure. Yeah, right. And what I've liked about Marcus Freeman is he's come in and just he's going after the best of the best. I mean, we, we did a, a, a podcast and, or we did a video and an article at, at irishbreakdown.com. So if you're listening on a podcast, you, you might not have heard it, but find the article on, uh, on irishbreakdown.com or go check out the YouTube video where I talk about Marcus Freeman's recruiting like he's in an elite program. And it was kind of tongue in cheek, you know, when you hear all the excuses about how difficult it is and you can't get this kid and you can't get that kid. What I loved about Marcus Freeman, he's like, I can get any kid on the phone I want because I'm at Notre Dame. Yep. And since he's been hired, he offered Harold Perkins, who's a five-star linebacker. He offered Sean Murphy, who's a five-star linebacker. He offered Jalen Sneed, who's a consensus top 100 back. He offered Junior Tuiala Maka, who's a consensus top 100 middle linebacker that reminds me of Manti Teo. Uh, Two days after they offered him, he decommitted from USC. They offered Martrell Harris from Texas. I mean, they're going after the best of the best. And there's already some good linebackers on the board. Uh, Sebastian Cheeks from Illinois. I mean, that's a local kid. If you you that's the kind of kid you gotta get. You gotta get that in that Illinois kid. He likes Notre Dame a lot. If I had to project a leader for him right now, it would be Notre Dame. Um, you know, so Joshua Burnham, a kid from Michigan, you know, getting him out of the state's gonna be tough, but he he has interest in Notre Dame. That's another guy that you look at. So <clears throat> Devin Jackson's a linebacker that they're talking to from Nebraska, same high school as Xavier Watts. So uh, Langston Patterson from Tennessee, another guy that's been on the board for a while. So it's a deep, deep board, Vince, and it's a talented and athletic and rangy board. And Marcus Freeman is going after the nation's best. And, Good. you know, you get Sebastian Cheeks and you get, you know, Junior Tuyalamaka, which if I had to predict today where those guys would go, I would pick Notre Dame. It's not a done deal. There's right. still a lot of work to be done. But if I had to pick today, I would project them. That's a heck of a linebacker class. (laughs) Those three guys, that would be one heck of a class. Yes, and and they fit well together. You know, Cheeks is more of a pure Will. Junior is more of a pure Mike. And and, uh, Ziggler can play Rover. He can play Will. Uh, So that'd be a heck of a class. And if you get those guys, I'd keep going. Keep recruiting Harold Perkins. Keep recruiting Sean Murphy. Keep recruiting, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, Jalen Sneed. Keep recruiting those guys. Get your fourth guy and load up. And and that's that's what I would do, and and Marcus Freeman has him in great position to have that great linebacker class, and 
you know, and, and it's the kind of class that if you can get that class a year after getting Prince Collie, who was a linebacker rover in last year's 2021 class and my number one ranked defensive recruit in the class, a legit top 50 to 100 caliber player. You add this class, if you're able to load up with a good three or four this year, a year after getting Prince Collie, and then if Keanu Kia is there, now you've signed two mics in a row because I believe Keanu is a mic for me. Um, if he decides not to go on a mission is what I'm referring to. Now you've completely restocked your linebacker yep. depth chart. You've yep. got different types of players. You've got some bigger mics. You've got some rangier wheels. You've got some rover types. It's a very balanced class from a who fits together. Uh, it's a very athletic class, group of guys. And it's the kind of two-year haul that can can completely get your fortunes at the position back on track to where now in 2023, you're looking for two guys and you're looking for the best of the best. Yep. It's like if you're not better than the dudes we got last year, then we're good. Thank you. And so that's also what makes it really important for them to, to hit a home run, a linebacker, because that kind of home run class gets you in position to where you can then go focus on the best moving forward because you don't have to worry about numbers as much anymore. The one position that, as I look at the depth chart going into the 21 season, that really worries me that I'm really going to be paying attention to uh, in the 22 class is the safety position. Mm -hmm. uh, that position has just been decimated just due to just due to not recruiting it well. I mean, mm -hmm. frankly, that's where it comes from. It's not really that that guys are leaving. Now, there has been a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. um, and if Houston Griffith ended up staying in the transfer portal, I would be really worried not only about who's going to play this year, but what that looks like moving forward. Um, but you're going to lose Kyle Hamilton after this year. This is maybe his last year. So you've got to restock. Now, there was a couple of good safeties in the 21 class. You've got to follow that up. Mm -hmm with two to three uh, safeties, in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, what What is your thoughts on the needs at the safety position? I think the numbers-wise, Vince, depends on a couple things. Who you get at corner, okay. or you're, are you comfortable taking one corner? Uh, and we'll get into that here in, in a few. And the other part is, what do you do with that fourth linebacker spot? For example, if you get a Jalen Sneed who's 262-215, he may be a pure rover, which means okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with more of a rover type there. So we don't necessarily need a third safety in this class. If they are gonna run the defense that Marcus Freeman ran at Cincinnati, then I, I think a third safety is gonna be needed in this class. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so it just, it just again, it's also about do you like what's out there? That's the other thing is you can't take a third guy just for uh, as a just body. Just take a third guy, right? right. So, but so far they're on some good safeties. Um, there's, there's, you know, Xavier Nwankpa is a guy that is a top hundred recruit. He likes Notre Dame, but he's going to be tough pull. He's from Iowa. He's going to be a tough pull because everybody in the country wants him. Alabama wants him. Ohio State wants him. You know, but they're on him. They're going after him. Um, I, I think that when you look at, there's a couple athletic guys that, that aren't highly ranked that I love. Jake Pope from Georgia. And there's a kid in California named Cooper Barkate, Vince, who I like a lot. Again, three-star recruit, but I don't get it. Like, I don't get that. Like, I watch him play. I see a 6'1", 180-pound athletic kid that could play receiver. I think one of the recruiting services has him ranked as a receiver. He's long. He's athletic. He's a kid that if he would have played as a junior, he's from California, so no football in 2020. Right. Uh, he would have a completely different reputation right now, in my opinion. That's a kid can flat-out ball. Uh, so, and he's, he plays a lot of 
he plays, and if you watch him in high school, he plays a lot of corner and he plays a lot of slot, which means this is a kid that can cover. Right. He flips his hips as good as any safety Notre Dame has signed in, in recent seasons. So, you know, he's even got some big corner skill to him. You put some big corner skill at safety, like legit, because like what what often happens is people say, well, if a guy's not good enough to play corner, he can go to safety. Well, what makes you think he's going to be good enough to play safety at an elite level? What you really right. look for is this guy can play corner, but he projects better to safety. Or he could play corner, but here's just other guys that are better. Like this notion of, well, he's not athletic enough to play corner, so moving to safety, that's not really what you want when you're at Notre Dame. You know, some guys are just pure safeties, and that's fine, but you don't necessarily want a guy that can't play corner to move to safety. This kid could play corner, big corner in certain defenses. I like him better at safety. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's a guy the staff is going after. Uh, but again, it's a it's a big board. It's an expansive board. We're going to learn a lot about Chris O'Leary with this class because you need, like you talked about, you need not only not only do you need two to three guys, yeah. but you need two to three like dudes, guys. You like need guys, guys can flat out play. Yeah, right. And now you're asking Chris O'Leary to do that in his first year, so That's he's tough, getting man. thrown to the fire. But I kind of like the challenge. I mean, we're going to find out right now what Chris O'Leary's made of. The other thing is, I don't see Marcus Freeman. Mike Mickens, Mike Elson, and Brian Polian just saying, good luck, kid. See you on signing day. Right. With Chris O'Leary. They're going to help him. They're going to they're gonna have his back. They're going to tag team a lot of these kids because that's what smart coaches do, and, and I believe that that's what Notre Dame is going to do. So I don't think he's going to just be out there. The, the, the safety class is going to be 100% dependent upon him getting it done. I think it's going to be a team effort. But, of course, he's going to have to connect with these kids because he's going to be the one coaching them. So, you know, he's going to get a great opportunity to show what he's made of right away. And if he can land two to three really good players, then you're going to say, you know what? That was a heck of a hiring. Maybe he doesn't have the name reputation of some other coaches, but this this kid this kid can get it done. If he doesn't, then people are going to say, gee, I wonder what Kerry Cooks could have done. I yeah. mean, that's just that's yeah. just how it's going to go. Yep. So it's a big year for him. It's a big year for the team because, like you said, struck out completely at safety in 2020. 2019, you've got Kyle Hamilton. He's going to be gone. And Litchfield Ashevon has played a grand total of, I believe, zero snaps on defense. 2018, you got Houston Griffith left. There's no guarantee he's going to come back for a fifth year. He almost left after this year. And then Derek Allen's gone. You know, and DJ Brown to me is not a, you know, not a guy you want to build around. So you look and say, what do you have at safety? You know, you got two incoming freshmen you don't know about. One of them may be better suited for that rover. Actually, they both may be better suited for that sort of that rover role which means you know you could maybe focus on more back end guys in this class. So I do think there's some you could put one at the rover spot, keep one at safety and still focus on the back end guys. So I do like the versatility and length of the 2021 class and I think the landing carry G at the end gives them a little bit more of a br breathing room sure. in 2022 because if you didn't get carry G then you do have to bring in bodies. Like you, you couldn't afford to not get three in this class. If yeah. that means you got to take a guy that maybe doesn't grade out as a Notre Dame caliber player, you need to have a depth chart. Otherwise, you're going to have to start, start moving start guys. moving guys around. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you never want to move guys because you have to. You want to move guys because you're like, hey, this guy can help us somewhere else. Not because, yeah, right? You know, well, we don't have anybody. And that's what happened with Sean Crawford. The only reason Sean Crawford started to safety this year is because of decisions the staff made that put this the depth chart in a, in a spot, and because you know, some some coaching decisions that were poor, but you were forced to kind of put Sean Crawford in there 
partly also due to COVID guys having to sit out because of, you know, either they had COVID or in, in this case at safety, they were a roommate with someone who got it. So then they're automatically out longer than the guy who actually got it, which different conversation for a different day. But, uh, you know, that put them in a, that put them in a bind and they were forced to put Sean Crawford there. And then, you know, they left him there, but again, different show. That conversation is a different show, but it's a huge year at safety events. Yes. Then linebacker and safety, yeah. linebacker and yep. safety events. Yep. It's because what you're in is you're in a year where you not only need to get numbers, you need to get impact numbers. Right. And that can be a challenge, you know? And so, but, but if they pull it off, it should give you a lot of confidence as a Notre Dame fan that this defensive staff is going to get on track. Cause l- let's be honest, Clark Lee did a great job as a defensive coordinator when it came, came to building a team based on the guys he had. He has not done as good of a job of preparing the defense for future success because he wasn't a great recruiter. He wasn't a grinder. He was very slow and deliberate, and anyone that knows Clark Lee is not surprised by that, very slow and deliberate about who to offer. But when you do that with top players, by the time you offer, you don't have a you're out. They're gone, yeah. And so that's a big reason why they struck out so often. And, you know, and if it wasn't for Mike Mickens putting in, you know, Herculean effort at cornerback recruiting, we'd be talking about three positions where Notre Dame was in a a tough spot coming into this cycle. But fortunately, they were able to rescue that. But safety is now a position where after 2021 – and based on the current roster, after 2022, you got nothing except the freshmen. I mean, that's, that's, that's the fact. I mean, you, you have the freshmen that are coming in now and, and nothing beyond that. There's no other position where it's that bleak, Yeah. which means the freshmen have to pan out, but then you need to follow them up with an even better class. Now, Brian, one class that uh, – or I should say position that we haven't talked about yet is the cornerback class. And, you know, Notre Dame <sighs> – I would say did not do a very good job of recruiting the corners uh, over the last few classes. Last class was good. Now there was good numbers in that class. This class is really, really good. The twenty-one class. You have to follow that up yeah. with another solid class if you want to keep the depth chart the way you want to keep it. Uh, they don't need, you know, a huge number. I don't think in this particular class, but you need quality in this class. I think cornerback recruiting at Notre Dame was a problem for most of Brian Kelly's tenure. I agree. And 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 let me clear because they've signed some really good corners, but it would always be like Cole Luke being the only corner in that class, or Kavari Russell being the only pure corner in that class. And it was like Nick Watkins being the only corner they signed in his class. It was like they'd sign a good player, but then he'd be it. Or and then right. of course then in 2017 you went from having Paulson Adebo and Elijah Hicks committed with Thomas Graham as a silent commit to nothing, yeah, and that just wrecked them. Now fortunately for a couple of years on the football field you're okay because of the the one great corner class they had was 2016 where they signed Julian Love, Troy Pride, and uh, Dante Vaughn that helped save them because and, and then in 2018 Notre Dame had arguably the best corner tandem in the country. This past year, we saw those mistakes kind of come to bite them. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, you know, you had to get the grad transfer in from Clint from NC State, and then you know, Tariq Bracy kind of had his mental meltdown, and then you had to play yeah. a freshman. Now, where I would somewhat disagree with you is, 
I think Notre Dame's 2020 cornerback class deserves some mention here because even though they lost Landon Bartleson, who was their best corner, it was still a good numbers class. Um, I don't think Caleb Offord is a Notre Dame caliber player, but I think Ramon Henderson could be. But Clarence Lewis is a good football player too. So there's no high-level players in that group. But when you combine that three, and really I look at it as two until Caleb Offord proves me wrong, with the four you got this year, I think that has fixed their numbers problem. I mean, that's okay. six corners in two years. And I'm not and, and if Caleb Offord pans out, that's seven. I'm not I'm not even counting him. I'm going six. Okay. So I think you're in a situation and and that in we you also got to think that Cam Hart and KJ Wallace, two potential corners in the 2019 class, both saved a year of eligibility in 2020 because of the COVID thing. So Cam Hart technically you could count as going into the 2021 season as a redshirt freshman. That's true. And you could do the same with KJ Wallace, but although right now he's not technically a corner. So I think numbers wise, they're finally at a good place where the past recruiting struggles have hurt them is there's not a lot of sure things going to be on the roster next year. We don't know if Ramon Henderson's going to pan out. We don't know if Cam Hart's going to ever get truly comfortable at corner. Uh, and now it's like, okay, so you're counting on a bunch of incoming freshmen who we haven't seen yet. So I think the emphasis this year isn't on numbers as much. And I think there's even a scenario in which I could live with one corner if yeah. he's a high level player. I think one to two is really where you need to shoot for whether or not you bring two in is going to be determined by what you do at other positions. If you need that second spot for a third safety, a fourth linebacker, a fourth defensive end, something like that, then you may say, hey, look, that's that's what we need. And and I'll tell you right now from talking to sources, that Notre Dame is shooting right. Notre Dame's corner board is big. But the number of guys that right now they'd push for is smaller. And they're acting like a staff that is doing the two things that I think a staff has to do to be successful. Number one is – Make sure your board is always big enough to where you have guys to go to where if you strike out or miss, you're not starting up relationships from new, from a new, right? Yep. You have that relationship going, but you don't push for a guy right now because we like so-and-so and so-and-so better. They're doing that, which is really smart recruiting strategy. But they've identified some players that they like as their top guys, and they're pushing for them. That's called good recruiting, okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, the key is finishing and closing, of right? Course. But Mike Mickens already showed last year that he can bring in good corners that don't visit, that he can't go see, and you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, he obviously did a great job. So now you are able to focus more on numbers or less on numbers and more on the high-end talent that fit your scheme. And so far, that's what they're doing. And, you know, there's about five or six guys that that I'm aware of that I would say are in that top group. Okay. That they have to get at least one of for them to feel good about that being a good enough player. Some of those guys you'd probably feel better if there's a second, but you know, some of those guys are are guys that if you get that guy, you feel good about where you are to where if you have to stop at one, you, you're feeling like you're you're bringing in enough of an impact talent that you're you're going to be set at that position no that makes a lot of sense and i i feel like this is really a good year just to bring in some super impact guys it's not mm -hmm. a numbers year 
it's an impact year, right? I mean, that that's right. how I feel about this particular group. And if you do a good enough job with this class, now you're in a situation moving forward where you're you're two a year, two a year, two a year, yeah. and it's only top level players. Right. The problem that Notre Dame has gotten into in recent years is 2016 should have been that kind of class for you, where it puts you on a good position where you only needed to bring in two a year. But then they struck out in 2017, and it negated how good the 2016 was from a numbers and depth futuristic standpoint. In 2019, you're already down a guy. Isaiah Rutherford's already transferred. You know, 2018, you, you've had two of the guys there. One's transferred. One is playing safety. Uh, so, yeah, you needed numbers. Now they've got numbers. <clears throat> they can focus on it. But the 2022 class is important because – not only is it important for adding a talent impact to your roster, but it, this is the class that's going to determine whether Notre Dame is finally over the mistakes of the past, and they can start now focusing on we're in a healthy spot numbers-wise. Now we have to improve the talent level at the position. Sure. And that's not with numbers. That's with you know landing that, hey, we're going to put all of our effort into this one kid because that's the kid that can change our fortunes at the position. If you'd have done that in the 2021 class, and let's say they'd have signed the nation's best corner, and that's all they got because they put all their eggs in that basket, that'd have been a loss because you still have enough dudes to fill out your depth chart, mm -hmm. right? And if he doesn't pan out or gets hurt, you're screwed. So you needed maybe, maybe you don't have that top 25 player in the 2021 class, but you got four kids who can play, and that's what you needed. Now you, you focus more on that high level talent. So, Brian, you talk about your board uh, for, for this position, those impact guys. Who are some of those guys that you're seeing that you like that you're hoping Notre Dame brings in? Well, a couple guys at the top of the board is Toriano Pride, who's a corner from St. Louis. Any Not relation? A, nope. Okay. Nope. He's from St. Louis. That Troy Pride is from North Carolina. Maybe distant relatives, but no, as far as I know, uh, this T Pride is not related to the other T Pride. Okay. Just um, you know, 5'10, 5'11 guy can really run physical for a size. Like he's more, much more physical than you think. And a big part of that is he plays offense. So he's kind of got that ball in my hands toughness. Sure. And he carries that over to corner. He's still learning the cornerback position, but I love his tools for the position. Another kid that I really like a lot is Jaden Gould from New Jersey, same high school as uh, Steve Angeli. Uh, 6'2", legit 190-plus, watched his sophomore film, thought he was a good player, but thought he was more of a safety. Then I watched his junior film, and he's a corner. I mean, 6'2", fluid hips, transitions really well, can plant and drive him the ball, hits like a safety, covers like a corner. And, okay. you know, to me, he's a guy that, you know, you get those two guys, and I'm I'm doing – I'm going to attempt a backflip. I may need a trampoline to do it because I may need that little bit of a – It'd be dangerous of a boost, but you know, I'm going to be trying some backflips or maybe just a cartwheel. We'll, we'll see what, what's going to do the least amount of damage, but Either it's way, a that's strong class. That's a strong class. There's no way that's going on YouTube, <laughs> but that's a strong class, right? That's a good one, two punch, but you know, and then there's other guys that could form that kind of one, two punch as well. Uh, you know, and, and Nikai Martinez from Florida, Popka, smaller kid, but can flat out run plays against great competition, really good cover player. He's a guy that Notre Dame likes. Jared Kerr is a two-way guy from Texas that right now is more of an offensive player. Okay. That has the skill set that you want at corner more. So it's kind of like your skill set makes you a dime a dozen at receiver. There's a lot of 5'11, 6 foot, 175-pound guys that can move. Sure. There's not a lot of guys that can do that as corners. 
So I know that they like him quite a bit. Uh, Jair Brown is – this is one of the things I love about Mike Mickens and Marcus Freeman. He is an Ohio kid that is committed to Ohio State, and Notre Dame is still recruiting him. And he's talking to him. So uh, I just – I past staffs would never have uh, – he's committed to Ohio State. He's an Ohio kid. There's no way we're flipping that kid. Maybe you don't, but they're certainly going to try. Yeah, right. But, I mean, they've thrown out so many offers. Kamari Rogers is a highly ranked top 50 guy that they offered – uh, you know, he, he's the guy that recently got to offer Laurel, Earl little juniors. Dad played at Miami, he played at the U they're still recruiting him. They're going after him. Will Johnson's a five-star kid from Michigan that they're recruiting. Now they're not they're They're on the outside looking in with him, but they're still, they're still making a push. Uh, Dalen Everett's a top, uh, top ranked guy. So, I mean, there's plenty of corners that they're going after. Um, but like I said, they're doing a good job of the board is big. They're developing relationships with a lot of kids while also narrowing on, you know, here's our top guys. And if you probably asked all 15 of those guys, they'd probably think, yeah, I'm a top guy for Notre Dame. And they would all feel that way. But but nobody knows who the number one and number two are until those guys commit. Yeah. And that's that's really – I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you do recruiting at a high yeah. level, you know. Absolutely. So you don't go use social media pushes to say, we want these three offensive linemen. Then if you don't get those guys, you're kind of in, in trouble. Right. So I like what they're doing. I like the moves that they're making. Um, I think the board is very talented. Now they just got to finish and they got to close. If they can close with some of the guys that are already on the board that they're looking for, then I feel I feel good about the chances. So again, the foundation is strong, like we talked about on offense. The foundation is strong for them to have a great corner class. It's just now about about closing and finishing. And if and, and honestly, Vince, that's where I, I look at it. Other than defensive tackle, because we talked about the reasons for that, I think a big part of that is it's outside of Notre Dame's control. It's just not a great defensive tackle year. That happens. There's not a position I look at and say they don't have an opportunity to have a great haul. I mean, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, D-end, linebacker, safety, and corner. The guys are on the board for this to be a tremendous class, a top five class of guys that A – are Notre Dame kids because you're going after them. So you can't say they're not Notre Dame kids. Otherwise, you'll be recruiting them. They're kids that can get into Notre Dame. And they're kids that have expressed interest in Notre Dame. Right. So it's there for the taking. This isn't a, well, we don't have enough top 50 kids that we can talk to. They're, they're already talking to you, right? Exactly. It's about closing. It's, it's it, it, you know, it's about finishing. You know, coffee's for closers, right? Like, I'd take all the coffee out of the recruiting area at Notre Dame and say, you go get this kid, you get you some coffee back, right? Like, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing some Alec Baldwin stuff. I mean, uh, that's what that's the thing is they have an opportunity. This is the exciting part about this 2022 cycle, Vince, is because the 2021 class, which was 27 players and really 25 guys that I really think are really just players. You know, Joshua Bryan's a kicker, right? So, I mean – it. It's a little different. And then, you know, there's another player they signed on offense that I just – I don't view as a Notre Dame guy, just kind of a depth guy. But there's a – I mean, they because you hit your numbers so effectively there and you had a great offensive class in 2019, at almost every position except the last couple we talked about, linebacker and safety, you're in a position where your focus is on impact talent. Go get impact talent. Not You don't have to worry about numbers as much. And that's where you want to be. And so this is set Notre Dame up for a golden opportunity, pun intended, to go out and have a a the kind of class that we've always thought they should be having and could have. Now it's time to go get it done. Yeah. And the guys are on the board. It's a and it's another, it's a unique year in that there's a lot of 
pro Notre Dame type of kids, meaning two, there's two five-stars receivers that go to Catholic schools in California. Notre Dame's had great success out doing that. You know, there's, there's a lot of good DBs from areas that aren't necessarily, you know, like Toriano Pride in St. Louis. There, there's no in-state school. You, you, you can beat Missouri for Toriano Pride, right? Jaden Gold in New Jersey. There's no in-state program. It's not like these kids are from, you're going to get that five-star corner from Tuscaloosa. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to worry about that, right? So I think it's a it, everything's just kind of lining up perfectly for Notre Dame in a lot of ways. Now it's just go get it done. The opportunity's there. Go get it done, and hopefully they're able to do it. So Brian, I also wanted to bring up the fact that we didn't forget about special teams. It's the fact that there's really no need for any you know special teams guys this year. They're they're set at snapper. They're set at kicker. <laughs> And they're set at punter for the next couple of years. Right, right. So just there's no need to, to do it. Obviously, special teams gets addressed in the return game and coverage and all that. We're talking specialists, snappers, kickers, punters. That's right. Um, there's just not a need. Obviously, they have a an incoming kicker in the 21 class. Jay Bramlett actually gets an extra year now because of the COVID situation. And Alex Peitch, the long snapper they signed in 2020, redshirted this year as well. Um well, I mean, he would have been a traditional red shirt. Everybody technically red shirted this year, but right. he would have been a traditional red shirt. So, um, yeah, so that's another positive. You you want you don't want to be in a situation where your numbers are small and you need a specialist. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. So they can focus on position players yes. only in this class, which is important when you ha- when you're thinking about having a smaller class. So that's going to do it for our uh, 2022 recruiting breakdown. What we think the class. Uh, really needs to be moving forward. Of course, we won't have any kind of closure on that until December, uh, which is long, long, long ways away. Uh, so we will keep you updated on anything that we're hearing and, and uh, you know, this whole process. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, Brian. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will keep everybody updated, but that's where we think this class needs to go. Um, so make sure you stay Locked in because uh, if you didn't listen to it yet, we've got an offensive class needs uh, breakdown as well. You can find that over on our YouTube channel or on our podcast channel. So check it out there as well as the written up version over on irishbreakdown.com. So make sure you stay locked in there as well. Uh, So for Brian, I'm Vince. Thanks for listening to the Irish Breakdown podcast.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.